fish swam out of the ocean and grew legs and they started walking and the apes climbed down from the trees and grew tall and they started talking what's happening out there in crypto land my name is phil this is the fun with crypto podcast and this is episode seven let's get started in this episode we're going to cover airdrops uh, different types of airdrops. What is an airdrop? Uh, we're also going to do a general overview of what a multi-signature wallet is and why it would be useful or why it would be helpful to, to use a multi-signature wallet. Um, and we're also going to try to answer the question, why Bitcoin? Because, you know, in, in the end, once you've done a whole lot of research and if you've actually traveled down that shitcoin rabbit hole and you know you've gotten totally beat up by buying altcoins and having them drop on you and as you're having this experience you know you you start to look at bitcoin and continue to research and realize that there's something special about bitcoin and why is it different so i mean don't get me wrong i'm nowhere near as genius as a lot of the people that are out there um, that know much more about Bitcoin and that can explain it much more elegantly than I can. But I'm still going to give it a shot and contribute my piece to the space. And who knows, if it helps somebody understand Bitcoin at a, at a better level so that they can get involved, then you know what? I, I did my job. Okay, so airdrops. Um, airdrops happen in a manner, in different in different manners, I should say. Um, I've seen the type of airdrops where you will download a wallet um, onto your phone and or even your computer. And because you have this wallet, you will get airdropped a token or a coin. I've also seen the type of scenario where you hold tokens on an exchange. And because you hold a certain amount of value on the exchange, you get airdropped tokens or coins in different ratios. I mean, it's not always one-to-one. One. Sometimes it's, you know, five-to-one, ten-to-one. And what that means is is that for every, let's say, you know, one Bitcoin you hold, they'll give you ten of this other coin. But um, most of the time what I've seen is, is that the exchange itself has its own coin and you'll get airdropped tokens because you hold their coins. Anyways, so you might you might also ask yourself, you know, why would a um, a coin creator or token creator want to airdrop tokens to an exchange or to people that uh, have downloaded a specific type of wallet? Well, for one thing, because cryptocurrencies really rely on network effect, which is essentially the more people that are on the platform, the more people using it. This is in a way, part of where the value creation comes in because you have a larger and larger network of people using it. So you will have, you know, creators of coins or tokens that will want to airdrop because it immediately creates a, it, it creates a framework of a community. Um, I can give an example where I was airdropped a specific token um, and it, it prompted me to go and start doing research about it. And then it turned out that I really liked, you know, what the, uh, what the project was about and it seemed interesting. And 
I ended up actually buying more once it began to trade. So um, it's it's definitely I, I would say that it's one of the more legitimate methods that a token or coin creator can use in order to create a community around their currency. So I, I actually think that airdrops are a good thing, although I know that I'm sure that there's got to be something negative that they can be used for. But I, I believe that in, in cryptocurrency anyways, airdrops are a, a positive. Actually, I just thought of a negative because if they, um, if they airdrop more tokens and they dilute the circulating supply, that may rob the current tokens of their value. So I guess that's a, that's a negative. But if it's somebody that's just creating a token and they're trying to build out their community by airdropping to people that are already either users of a certain technology or holders of a certain currency, I think it's a good thing. I, I mentioned a, um, a term, circulating supply. So once you get into cryptocurrency, you're going to obviously realize that these tokens have attributes. Um, and I'll post a link in the show notes to, um, I, I would say, you know, one of the better sources to go and get some coin information. And you can, you know, you can use that. But essentially, there's something called circulating supply and there's maximum supply. So the maximum supply of the coin is essentially the cap, the, the, most, that, the most that will ever exist of the coin. So let's say there could only be 10 million or 10 billion in existence. Or like Bitcoin, for example, there's only 21 million in existence. So right now, they... The circulating supply of Bitcoin is actually much less than that. Um, at the time of this recording, let's go take a look and see. But at the current time, the circulating supply of Bitcoin is 17.3 million. So 17.373. So it hasn't reached its maximum supply yet. Uh, but you'll notice for many tokens, they do not have a maximum supply of only 21 million. And many, many tokens have maximum supplies of billions. Or in some cases, they have a maximum supply. I've seen a lot of them have a max supply of, and again, I'm just generalizing, having a max supply of a billion, but yet there's only 450 million in circulation. Well, some of those could be held by the founders. And if they decide to release those tokens, what, what people have to remember is, is that unfortunately people are valuing these tokens based on their circulating supply, not necessarily their maximum supply. So a lot of times the price that you see, number one, the price that you see is pure speculation. That's number one. But number two, on top of that speculation, it's speculation on a circulating supply. It's not even really a speculation on the maximum supply of the coin, which means if there's going to be more of them and this is the current price, there's a really good possibility unless that coin is somehow creating value or being used to create value that it's going to drop in price. So that's definitely something to pay attention to. Sorry, I know that doesn't really have anything to do with airdrops, but it, it, it has to be explained because once you start getting into this, you're, you're going to decide that you want to know more about these coins and you're going to end up at a website like CoinMarketCap. You're going to look at it and be like, you know, what do these metrics mean? And these metrics really aren't really that correct. Um, there's actually a different way to measure coin metrics. Um, there's, uh, I'll actually post a link to an article written by uh, Nick Carter who proposes a different method 
uh, to value coins. Um, I believe it's called NVT. Uh, I think it's network value transmission, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to go and double check that. So sorry, that was the network value to transaction ratio, NVT ratio. So which makes a lot more sense in valuing uh, a coin than the traditional methods, because right now we're valuing them the same way that we value stocks or equities. And that's just not correct. And actually, I'll post a link to his site, coinmetrics.io, because it has some really incredible material that I truly believe is ahead of its time. Like people are going to look back at this and they are going to base a lot of research on this. I mean, he's anyways, he's super smart and very, very well spoken. So I think people will appreciate that site. Okay, so moving on to multi-signature wallets or multi-sig wallets. I think 99bitcoins.com offers the simplest explanation, and I will post the link in the show notes. A simple analogy for explaining multi-sig is a safe deposit box with three keys, one held by the customer, one held by the bank, and the third held by lawyer or trusted third party. In order to open the box, two out of the three total keys are required, making the safe deposit box analogous to a two of three multi-sig address. So in the crypto space, you can have these keys split up amongst individuals, but there are also custodial services, which I've actually posted a link to this, I believe, in episode two or episode three, Kazahodl. Um, they offer custodial services, and uh, one of the wallet types that they have is multi-sig. So, um, or vault types, I should say. I'll repost their link. They're absolutely incredible. Um, I'm eventually going to do a show on their lightning node when I receive it. I'm super excited. Um, but until then, no show about that. But anyways, uh, yeah, they offer a custodial service and it's a multi-sig scenario. And it's, well, that's one of the scenarios and it's very interesting. So I'll post their link as well. All right. Moving on from multi-sig. So... The ultimate question, right? Why Bitcoin? It's going to be interesting because people are going to look back at, at this moment in history and see it as an obvious eventuality. It, it, it was completely obvious that that value would begin to be transmitted digitally. But, but not just digitally. We're talking about something that is native. Bitcoin was born digitally it's not the same thing as a stock or you know an equity where um it started off as something different and then just simply became digitized bitcoin was born as as code so it's it just it has this beauty of it just in that respect and the fact that it has managed to gain the hearts and minds of so many people and not just that but once once a person really does a lot of research in into bitcoin it's like you you know it, it's a funny joke right that goes around that it's almost like a cult right like bitcoin maximalists or you know they it's just like a giant echo chamber but it's it's not i mean they they will sit there and debate all kinds all kinds of innuendo about bitcoin and they are not you know yes they are all on the same side that bitcoin is money and bitcoin is or I should say, they're all on the same side that Bitcoin is a store of value and it's the future. 
but they all like there's all these differing differing views on how it comes to that eventuality so it it really isn't just a, everybody drinking the Kool-Aid i mean it's it has a sound monetary policy that is predictable that's completely different than anything we've ever experienced in our lives at any given moment any government can go out and print any amount of money that they want and of course it'll seem as though it's it's being rationed and whatnot but but it's not it's just debt out of thin air with with bitcoin there's no debt out of thin air the monetary policy was set it's enforced by the nodes and it's set in the code it, there's no there's no changing it you're going to have 21 million right now we produce 12.5 btc every approximate 10 minutes and in 2020 that is going to have and we're only going to produce 6.25 and that's going to be it and it's completely predictable and you don't have to worry that all of a sudden it's going to get inflated and all of the value of it is going to disappear so this is something that is just completely foreign to to anybody and and i can tell you from every single person that i've spoken to that doesn't even really know anything about technology but when you talk to them about bitcoin they just look at you like you're completely nuts because it's fake. But yet the dollars that they have in their wallet are actually even faker because they didn't even actually take any work to create. They just exist out of thin air. Bitcoin actually took proof of work. And that's actually where um, I, I would say that a lot of value of Bitcoin is, is driven from the fact that it's proof of work. It had to create a certain amount of waste in order to come into existence. There was no waste that was required to create debt. You know, even when you, as something as simple as an example, like when you go to the bank and you get a loan, they don't have to have any money to back that loan of their own that they give you. They just simply look at this arbitrary credit score and here's a loan and poof debt is created for you and now you have to pay it back with interest so that's also pretty terrible and that comes out of thin air bitcoin's value does not come out of thin air it comes out of proof of work or at least for the most i'd say a good part of it comes out of the fact that it's proof of work and it requires a certain amount of work and waste to be created now, another aspect about Bitcoin that makes it just so fascinating is, is that it's, it's world money. It's, it's, not, it's not controlled by any one entity, and that's what makes it beautiful, and that's really what the world needs. That's really what everyone needs. You, you just don't need to have it arbitrarily controlled by a few small parties that keep you afraid. It needs to be world money. And it needs to be something that all people can have an equal chance at having, which is something that current currencies do not offer. I'm sure that I'll revisit this podcast one day and just laugh at how simplistic my view was of Bitcoin, because I'm sure it's going to be much greater than anything I can currently imagine. And I'm just super excited to see what the future holds. Subscribe and leave me a comment if you like this podcast, or you can find me on Twitter at CoinIcarus or by email funwithcrypto at protonmail.com. 
catch you all next time.